It is a joy to be with you today. Very emotional today. Uh, my father died my senior year in high school, and a friend of our family was up that weekend from New Orleans, uh, Charles Hankins, and we invited him to be a part of all of the meals afterwards and all of that. Known him my whole life. My father had a series of strokes. He was in and out of a coma for about 10 years. We took care of him in a, ho in a hospital bed in our home. So my mom and dad didn't have much of a relationship there the last 10 years of his life. And uh, about three, four months after we buried my father, Charles Hankins came back up to visit. And he said to my older brother and my younger brother and myself, said, I want to date your mother with the intention of marrying her. And both my, and my brothers are big. I'm the runt of the family, but dynamite comes in small packages. I'm the bridge over troubled waters. Anyhow, we, both, we all three independently said to him, well, you're welcome to date our mother with the intention to marry her, but if you ever hurt her, we'll kill you. <laughs> in the love of the Lord. And actually, my mother was married to Charles. We called him Junior Hankins longer than she was married to our biological father. And so I have half-brothers here, or step-brothers rather here, and friends and family. This is actually my second home. Uh, many of you don't know me, but I feel right at home here. Now, I am a hopeless Chicago Bears fan, but, and it takes a lot more faith than it does to be a Saints fan. So real quickly, towards the end of the season, I switch over to my second favorite team, and that's the New Orleans Saints. So I'm going to make it to heaven like the rest of you, okay? <laughs> uh, the, word, the Lord gave me a word during worship, and it's uh, Psalms 133, if you want to turn there quickly and look at it. and I, You all know this, and, but I just want to remind you of a word from the Lord for you, for this church. Uh, it's one church, of course, those of us that have been a part of this, I've been a part behind the scenes of this miracle merger, and I just want you to know that this is a place of God's commanded blessing, and if you'll just skim through Psalms 133, there's, there's only three or four verses, I forget, but if you'll look down at the last verse, it says that when there's unity among us, this is where God commands the blessing. And nobody is push, pushing for their personal preference. There's a lot of humility and humor on both sides. Uh, wish so much that Pastor Chris could be here today. Honor him and Pastor uh, Felicitia. Felicitia, is that how you say it? I was close. I was speaking in tongues there. Um, but their little daughter, Kiera, about 10, 11 years of age, she's just had a very serious fever, and it's been spiking, and so he's doing the right thing. And She's running the children's ministry, and he's at home with his daughter, and she'll never forget that, that dad missed church to take care of her when she was sick. And I just honor his humility, and, and uh, we are the mother church of Saints Community Church, and you being willing to change your name. And whenever there's transition, people leave, but the unity here, it's tangible. I can sense it. I'm aware of it. I can feel it. And if we will all just behave, if... If, if, if husbands will behave, if wives will behave, if children will behave, it makes for a good family. And if we will all just behave together, what God will do here 
will be beyond our wildest dreams because he's always doing a new thing. That's what the prophet Isaiah said. It's significant to me at the beginning of a new year, at the beginning of a decade, this transition happened. If you'll read your Old Testament, is it the first day of the first month often is when God did special, special things. Hallelujah. You love each other? Do you love Jesus? Well, prove it by loving each other, and don't just tell me you do, all right? Stay in right relationship. Stay in friendship. Cross-pollinate. Be in each other's homes. Uh, and let's see what God will do in our midst. Actually, my stepfather and mother attended this church. Brother and sister Flanagan were very good friends. And then he got sick, and he, they weren't able to attend church much. She was a redhead, good-looking old woman that some of you men probably she caught your eye. And she worked at Maison Blanche. So anyhow... And learned how to cook your wonderful food down here. You, you do like Cajun food, right? Huh? I mean, I don't think you realized how blessed you are. If I lived down here, I'd weigh 300 pounds. I'm just telling you. I, I took four guys to lunch the other day. It cost me $200. <laughs> but it was worth every penny of it. Uh, if you turn to John chapter 7, we're talking about how to have a real relationship with the Holy Spirit, how to experience the Holy Spirit, how to know the Holy Spirit how to grow in your relationship with the Holy Spirit. So we're going to launch from a few simple verses from Luke chapter 7 eventually, but I do want to set the text up for you. Uh, teams here from Minnesota, teams here from Ohio, uh, Pastor Dave Pafford, who's part of the Ohio District Assembly of God, just wave at us, Brother Dave. Good to have you here. Uh, we appreciate you being here. Let's honor him. Let's go ahead and honor him today, a pastor among us. And uh, a couple pastor, dear friends, daughters in the faith, uh, Lynette Fred Fredrickson, who was my personal assistant in Urbana, Illinois. By the way, it takes a lot of faith to be an Illini football fan. I was a chaplain of the uh, Illini football team, Division I football team, for 11 years. And I'll never forget when we played you guys down here at LSU, you absolutely killed us. It was, you talk about humility right then. Have you ever eaten crow? I'm just telling you, it doesn't taste too good. So it's great to have Lynette here from New Mexico and also uh, another pastor who's a missionary in uh, New Zealand, and she was also on staff with us as a worship pastor, and that's Sarah Allen. They were roommates at North Central University in Minneapolis, Minnesota, the land of God's frozen chosen, and also... Uh, they were roommates when they did home missions work right here in New Orleans. And so, uh, Lynette, we call her Freddie, and I call Sarah Sarai. Would you wave at us, too? We just want to honor a couple other pastors right down front here, right behind Pastor Wayne. So let me set the text up with a couple quick stories. One is uh, by a man by the name of Charles Gray, and he lived in Dallas, Texas, he would beg for change at stoplights. He would look through garbage dump, uh, dumpsters for scraps of food. And in February of 2013, an ice storm came through Dallas. And early the next morning at a bench, at a bus stop, the police found this man dead. He was actually frozen to death. Ice was on him on this bench. And they shipped him to the city morgue, and when he thawed out, they discovered that he had a key 
in one of his hands that was frozen together. And after some investigation, they discovered that that key fit several uh, safe deposit, safety deposit boxes at a local bank, the biggest ones that you can get. And as they looked through the savings bonds and the different documents and the actual cash that was in those savings deposit boxes, they found that that man almost had a half a million dollars. He was actually a wealthy man. He possessed this incredible resource but he had not made use of the resource that he possessed. And I think that old man is a picture of many people in the church today. As followers of Jesus Christ, we have been blessed with incredible resources. Revelation 1.6 says we've been made kings and priests of God. Ephesians 1.3 says we've been given every spiritual blessing. Luke 10.19 says that he has given us authority over the enemy. Paul said in Ephesians 1, 19 and 20 that he has made his resurrection power that dwells in us available to us. The trouble is there are so many people in the church world that barely have enough energy and spiritual momentum, let alone spiritual power, just to make it through a week, through the trials and the pressures of daily and weekly life, let alone impact or change this world in which we live. I believe with all my heart that the key to the supernatural resources of God, the key to the ability that we need, the power that you and I need to live for God, and to do his great will and build his kingdom, it is found in the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Second story to set up this text is my personal story. Like some of you, I was raised in a church. I do not remember when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I'm sure my mother or a Sunday school teacher or a children's church worker. We never minimize that ministry. The truth is we prioritize that ministry in our church. If we're going to reach the next generation, and we must, the church is only one generation away from extinction, then we must put money and resources and the best of our talent leading and guiding and teaching and directing and coaching and mentoring the next generation, our little boys and girls that are coming up. They are the VI people in this church, are those little boys and girls, your children and your grandchildren, your spiritual children and your spiritual grandchildren. That's who we invest in. We'll remodel the nursery before we'll put new carpet on the floor. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good, but I'm preaching good right there. I do not remember when I gave my life to Jesus. I was a little child. And I've always served the Lord, and I've loved serving the Lord. I've preached this gospel in 54 countries of the earth, some of them numerous times. I'm from a little bitty town, from a simple family. My father never finished the sixth grade. He was a professional boxer. I don't know how he got my mother. She was a hot woman. I don't know what he did to get her. It just amazes me. During World War II, a lot of young women married an older older man. My mom married an older man, that lucky dog. (laughs) 
You can't believe where I'm from. We grew up with a pot belly stove. Some of you men have pot bellies. We grew up with a pot belly stove. We grew up with linoleum on the floor that warped in the wintertime. We grew up with a red pump in the kitchen. We had no running water. Never had a television until I was a junior in high school. We did not have indoor plumbing. We did not have a bathroom. We had an outhouse. Do you know what that is? That means when you got to do your business, you save it until you get to grandma's house. If you were poor, you had plastic on one side of your windows in the wintertime where I grew up. If you had plastic on both sides of your windows, you were poor. We were poor. And all I had was Jesus and my church family. I lived on the other side of the tracks. If it wasn't for our church family and my mom's parents and angels, us three boys, listen, don't become concerned if your boy is always hungry. Boys are always hungry. My, first, my last grandson, I have five grandchildren, he was hungry all the time. And this naive teacher uh, turned my daughter and son-in-law into social services claiming that they weren't feeding him. I mean, he would eat and five minutes later he was ready to eat again. You say, why do men eat so much? Because God made us that way. <laughs> I don't remember when I gave my life to Jesus. I've just always served Jesus. And it is an adventure. But I remember when the Holy Spirit came upon me. I remember when I was Holy Spirit baptized. I remember when I prayed in a language I never learned. It was in public school, and it was in the fourth grade. I'm setting up this text, John chapter 7. We were on a field trip, and we were supposed to bring our sack lunch with us on the bus. And we were dropped off right in front of the calf, the cafe. And we went into the cafe. And as a little fourth grade boy, how old are you in the fourth grade, 10 or 11? All I could think about was eating. And I get in there and realize that I did not have my sack lunch there. I left it in the locker. And in those days, your lockers were in your classrooms. And I started crying, and Miss Lowe, who took care of the six really poor kids in the room, every month she bought us a book for book club so that we wouldn't be left out. She gave me a passion for reading, and I love to read to this day. I'm telling you what you invest in the next generation. Some little child that comes to church and you give them a quarter or you give them a $2 bill and you bless them not because you're some type of predator or something, but because you're investing in the next generation that God will raise them up, that they'll go places we have not gone. I was crying. She said, Gary, what's wrong? I said, I left my lunch in the locker. She gave me her keys. She said, Gary, I trust you. Go to the room. Go to your locker. Get your lunch. Come back. Close the door. Lock it. Come back right here. We'll wait for you. I went to the room. My locker was all the way at the end of the classroom. It was on the east end of the classroom. Great big windows. We lived one block from my school. It was on the second floor. Every day my little old black dog lady would follow me to school. And the neighbor felt so bad because she would sleep out by a tree. He built a dog house for her because it gets cold in the wintertime in Illinois. Some of you think hell's going to be hot. I'm going to straighten your theology out. Hell's going to be cold. I'm just here to tell you that right now. That's what I tell all the Africans in our church, and they believe my new theology. <laughs> Don't like to be cold. 
And I went in there and opened up my locker, got my sack lunch, went over to the window to look out, and there was a rainbow in the sky, and I wanted to see if Lady was okay, and there she was sleeping in her doghouse with her head sticking out. And I sensed the presence of Almighty God. And I lifted my hands in that public school classroom and I began to praise him a little bit and began to pray in a language I never learned. They must have been teaching on it in, in Sunday school. They must have been teaching on it in children's church. My mother must have been reinforcing it at night when she would pray for her three boys before we went to bed. I could never overstate to you the importance of the Holy Spirit in your Christian life. It's how you make the Christian life work through and by the person of the Holy Spirit. Yet the average Christian knows little about the Holy Spirit. They can tell you about the love of Jesus. They can tell you about the goodness of God. They have a pretty good idea of who the Father is. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, they're a loss for words. The Bible has so much to say about the person of the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit in Genesis 1 that was brooding over the face of the earth. In the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, it's the person of the Holy Spirit interceding, praying for Jesus to come back to the earth. All through the Bible, the person of the Holy Spirit is there. It amazes me when I meet people, Christian people, who they've been taught that it's not right to emphasize the person of the Holy Spirit. And they say things like, I do not want to go to a church that all I want to do is go to a church that just talks about Jesus. That's all I want to hear is about Jesus. And it sounds so spiritual. And it sounds so right. But nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be more unbiblical. I'm just setting up the text. Hallelujah. Jesus openly proclaimed that one of his goals was to bring people into relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now we're ready for it. Look at it on your phone. Look at it. Your Bible on your lap. John chapter 7 verse 38. It says, He who believes in me, as the scripture says, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. When I was in Bible school, I was trying to preach that, and I was so nervous, and I said, out of your liver will flow living water or something like that. I got it all mixed up. In verse 37, in, that, in the last day, that great day of the feast, that was the Feast of Tabernacle. It's where the Jewish people remembered that they wandered in the wilderness. They were not a people. They were not a nation. They did not have property. They were slaves wandering in the wilderness. And that's what life is like without Christ. We're just slaves wandering in the wilderness. In that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. I got it right that time. And in verse 39, But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus openly proclaimed the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He said it was his job to bring people into relationship with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist foretold of Jesus, but he also proclaimed the ministry of the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 3, verse 16, 
John the Baptist said, He, that is Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The person and work of the Holy Spirit was up front and center in the early apostles' teaching and proclamation. In fact, on the day of Pentecost, the apostle Peter said that those who believed on Jesus would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.38, Peter answered them, Turn from sin, return to God, and each of you be immersed on the authority of Jesus the Messiah into forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The writers of your New Testament that you believe in, they never hesitated to honor and exalt the third person of the Trinity. Jesus actually said it was better for him to go away than to be with his disciples and teach them so that he could send the Holy Spirit. He said in John 16, 7, It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Hallelujah. Have you ever wondered what Jesus looked like? Have you wonder, ever wondered how tall or short Jesus was? Have you ever wondered what his voice sounded like, what his hair looked like? We assume he had a beard, what his beard looked like. I think my little 10-year-old grandson, Keegan, the last of five, I think he's going to be a preacher. I've caught him preaching several times. The very first time was at our house, and I'm here. You know how you can hear somebody kind of talking loud outside, and I heard somebody talking loud, and I slid open uh, the, the the sliding glass door on our back porch, and he's out there preaching at at the tree, and he's telling the tree, "You need to come to Jesus. Uh, you need to get saved." Uh, and one time, my son-in-law calls me, and he go, and he's standing on his uh, a little balcony there, and. And my grandson's down in the garage. He was only nine then, and he's preaching, and he and he's telling his bicycle to get saved. And his theology's not quite right yet, but he's. We're working on it. Okay, we're working on it. Well, my daughter FaceTimed me, and he's in the shower. Now she didn't show me anything. The curtain was drawn, but he said, "She said, Dad, this is so cool." I said, "You you got to hear this." And he had his little 10-year-old preacher voice on, and he's talking about Jesus. And he's going, Jesus is cool. Jesus has got long hair. Jesus has got a neat-looking beard. Jesus' voice really sounds cool. And you need to give your life to Jesus, and you need to be saved because it's cool. And I'm laughing and crying at the same time. I think it was cool to be with Jesus. I think it was cool to walk throughout beautiful Galilee, and if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. I think it was neat to camp out with Jesus. And we know he cooked fish for his disciples when he was resurrected on the seashore of Galilee, and I have an idea that he cooked some other times too. It would have been awesome to have Jesus come and build a new addition onto your home. It would have been awesome to have Jesus Repair your roof. I believe what Jesus did and what he does, he does with excellence, don't you? 
And one of our goals as a church is to do everything with excellence. Not because we are in competition with a church down the street or over there or up there. That's not why we do things with excellence. We do things with excellence because we serve a God of excellence. His name is excellent. His word is excellent. His works are excellent. His ways are excellent. His salvation is excellent. His word is excellence. That's why we do things with excellence. Hallelujah. Somebody please say amen. Man, I just love people in NOLA. You're the best people on the planet to preach to. You're so engaged. I love you. And I like your red beans and rice and your seafood gumbo and your crawfish etouffee and hallelujah, all that stuff too. I think it's going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And as wonderful as it was for the disciples to know and hear and walk with and put their hand on the shoulder of Jesus Christ, he said to them, it is expedient, it is necessary, I must go away so that I can send to you the person of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, you will not be able to live for me. Otherwise, you will not be able to do my service. I am going away because I'm sending to you someone who will assist you and someone who will help you. Even though these apostles have been with Jesus in person, he said that they needed to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Luke 24, 49, wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father which you have heard me speak to you of. If the Holy Spirit was that important to Jesus, if the Holy Spirit was that important to the first apostles, then the Holy Spirit should be important to us too. Understanding the person and work of the Holy Spirit is so vital to your Christian life. It's what is missing in many Christians' lives today. Charismatic pastors like Jack Hayford talks about the importance of the Holy Spirit. And on the other side, a leading evangelical who's now with Jesus, Bill Bright, spoke and wrote about the need of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Regardless of your theology, godly men and women agree that the Holy Spirit is the key to the Christian life. I'm not excusing Bible ignorance. I believe we should read the Bible. And if you have trouble reading, you can get an app on your phone or you can get a CD and you can listen to the Bible. I am not excusing Bible ignorance, but I've been in countries where people cannot read. And there's no one to teach them to read. But can they be saved? Yes, they can. Why? How does Jesus come in our hearts? Through the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. I believe we should read the Bible every day. I believe we should memorize it. I believe our Sunday school and our children's church workers should teach our children scriptures and parents and spiritual parents and aunties and uncles. They should reinforce those. That's what I did. I memorized scripture every Saturday night before I went to church on Sunday and I'd get my little piece of candy for memorizing a scripture. My favorite one was Jesus wept, John eleven thirty five. Gary, do you know a scripture? Yes, Jesus wept. Give me my candy. No matter how much you know the Bible, no matter how much you discipline yourself, no matter how hard you try to serve and please the Lord, if you are not properly related 
to the person and work of the Holy Spirit, this Christian life will not work for you and you will be in and out of church and you will struggle. you got to understand the Christian life. It's not about ritual. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship. And that's why Jesus sent the Holy Spirit so we could be experiential in our relationship with Him. Jesus could be real to us, not just one time, but in our understanding in our daily lives, we have to have a genuine relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit so we can experience in greater ways what God has for us. To do that, you got to start relating to the Holy Spirit as a person. So many people see the Holy Spirit as this mysterious force, this source of blessing, this source of power. I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit is a being with a physical body. But by a person, I mean the Holy Spirit has his own identity. He has the characteristics of a person. He is a thinking being. He has intellect. He is an emotional being. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can even insult the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit throughout the Bible acts like a person. He teaches us. He speaks to us. He comforts us. He prays for us. The Holy Spirit is treated like a person all throughout the Bible. He can be lied to. He can be disobeyed. And of course, the Holy Spirit is the third part of the Trinity. He's equal with God the Father and equal with God the Son. Just as Jesus was sent by God the Father to show us what He was like, so the Holy Spirit was sent by Jesus to manifest His presence in our lives. In other words, are you listening? The more you develop your relationship with the person and work of the Holy Spirit, the more you're going to love Jesus the more you're going to see the love of God flowing in and to and through your life. Some people teach that you should never praise, you should never talk to, you should never pray, you should never worship the Holy Spirit. I see no prohibition in Scripture. The prophet Ezekiel was commanded to prophesy to the dead bones. And prophecy is a form of prayer. It's a form of worship. And he prophesied to the bones, and sinew and flesh came on them. And he prophesied again, and the life of God came to them. Have you ever said, good morning, Holy Spirit? Have you ever said, Holy Spirit, thank you for making the love of God real? Holy Spirit, thank you for helping me to understand the gospel. How many of your family and friends, they do not understand the simplicity of the gospel? Our culture has made the gospel so complicated. People think they have to vote a certain way to be saved. They have to belong to a certain political party to be saved. They have to think this way in order to be a Christian. Nothing could be further from the truth. I had a Ph.D. educated child, formal child prodigy had traveled the world playing the harp and singing, playing the piano. Some of our people moved in next to her, started sharing Jesus with her. Her life was just a mess. She retired from the University of Illinois, walked away from her retirement. She didn't retire. She quit. She was mad. She fell out of one relationship after another. She'd been abused as a child. Just a difficult, horrible life at one time owned the most expensive individually owned heart on planet earth and some of our people moved into her and began to love Dr. Shirley like we're supposed to do and began to assist her in life and pray for her and care for her and she said I've never read the Bible 
would you get me the kind of right kind of Bible to read? And they got her a Quest Study Bible. It's a good Bible for people seeking, exploring, a good Bible for new converts. And she began to read that Bible and answer all the questions in it. She wanted to make an appointment with me, and she came in and said, So, if I become one of these born-again Christians, do I have to become a Republican? Now listen, I'm happy to be an American, but we're not the only ones going to heaven. The White House is not the answer. It's God's house that's the answer. This church is a display that the gospel works red and yellow, black and white. We are all precious in His sight. Listen, uh, Elder Dave said it. We don't tolerate diversity. We celebrate diversity. Adam was created out of the dust of the earth. Where do you think the different color skins came from? It came from the dirt of the earth. That's not white. That's white unless you're colorblind. I can show you soil that is that color. I can show you red soil. I can show you all different colors of clay soil and black dirt that grows the richest crops on this planet our topsoil where I live it's 15 feet deep last year our corn was 14 feet 2 inches tall eat your heart out Mr. Farmer it's where one of the glacier ended I don't know where I was going with all that but it sure was good <laughs> To have a genuine relationship with the Holy Spirit, you've got to start relating to Him as a person. Second, you've got to get to know the Holy Spirit. You've got to get to know, know Him. That's how you relate to Him. There has to be interaction. To get to know someone, you have to communicate with them. You share your heart, your feelings, you hold hands, you embrace. You try to please each other. I'm from the land of Lincoln, the great emancipator. And in Illinois, it used to be to graduate from high school, you had to memorize the Gettysburg Address. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth to this continent. You had to memorize that in order to graduate from high school. And so even to this day in Illinois, we study a lot about Abraham Lincoln, a lot. My younger brother's wife has a huge Abraham Lincoln library with all kind of little uh, memorabilia stuff, you know, paintings and all kind of little statues and everything. Let's say I go to the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Museum in Springfield, Illinois, and I have. The first hologram to be used in public was used at that museum. It's incredible. You don't know which is the real person and which is the hologram as you sit there. It's just amazing technology. I decide to go to his office in his home, which I've been there. I got to sit at the desk in the chair that he sat at. I go to the cemetery and I visit his tomb, and I've done that. I know a lot about Abraham Lincoln. I decide to read a lot about him, learn a lot about him, memorize some of the stories of his life. Could I have a relationship with Abraham Lincoln? I could know a lot about him. I could understand a lot about him. I could talk about his strategy. I could talk about his compassion, his willing to forgive people. But could I know Abraham Lincoln? No. Why? Because the dude's dead. I could not shake his hand. He could not pat me on the back. I could not put my hand on his shoulder because he's dead. But I'm here to tell you 
that the person of the Holy Spirit is alive. And you can hear his voice and you can sense his presence and you can sense his hand being laid upon you and you can hear his encouraging voice saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. Some people teach the Holy Spirit was pretty well done doing the big stuff at the end of the first century. And their idea of the Christian life is just a matter of learning about God from the Bible, trying to do your best to please him. Well, I believe we ought to learn the Bible and I believe we ought to please God. But if that's all there is to the Christian life, we're in a sad place because we can have no more of an experience with God than we can Abraham Lincoln. But the Bible teaches we can have a relationship with God. We can experience Him. We can interact with Him. The Bible is a record of experiences of God. The New Testament book of Acts, it lists the Holy Spirit 49 times. And in fact, one of the most important theological decisions in the history of the early church which was about including the Gentiles. Could they be a part of the church? It was based on a spiritual experience when the Holy Spirit fell in Acts chapter 15 and they spoke in languages they did not learn to have a genuine relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. You have to begin to relate to Him as a person. You need to know the Holy Spirit. And third, you need to experience the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Some people are raised in churches that reject spiritual experiences. They're actually told that emotions in church, it's bad. But those same people will go to a concert or go to a comedy club. They'll laugh their head off. They'll scream and holler for their favorite sports fan. What people don't know is that's pretty new teaching. It's fairly new. D.O. Moody in the late 19th century said the success of my ministry is because of a dramatic spiritual experience that I call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Prior to that, he said, I had some results, but after this experience with the Holy Spirit, I have had tremendous results in my crusades. It was common for people in D.L. Moody's day for evangelical leaders to preach that followers of Jesus should seek a deeper experience with the Holy Spirit. Lewis Schaefer, the founder of Dallas Theological Seminary. My success in soul winning is due to my subjective leadings of the Holy Spirit. Baptist preacher Charles Spurgeon, he wrote in the mid-1800s about an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that would come in the 20th century. And he said the Holy Spirit will be poured out in a far different style from the present. Dr. Merrill Unger, editor of the Unger Bible's Dictionary, believed in endowments, endowments of the Holy Spirit. None of these men are what we would call charismatic or Pentecostal, and yet they strongly believe that the key element that makes the Christian life work is experiencing the person of the Holy Spirit. I want biblical Christianity. How about you? It's more than studying, it's more than obeying, and we need to study and we need to obey, and that's important. But we got to relate to the person of the Holy Spirit. We've got to know the Holy Spirit. We got to experience the person of the Holy Spirit. The key to effective Christian living and serving is to keep at the boiling point. And we do that by the Holy Spirit. Romans 12, 11 in the King James says, Not slothful in business. Read this out loud with me, these three words. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. You're not going to serve the Lord if you're not fervent in spirit. That's what Paul said there. 
Jesus said he'd spew us out of his mouth if we were lukewarm. The RSV says never flag in zeal. Read this out loud with me. Be aglow with the Spirit, serve the Lord. One theologian translates it like this. Not slothful in business, kept at boiling point by the Holy Spirit doing bond service for the Master. Hallelujah. You can grow in your relationship with the Holy Spirit. You can have an authentic, genuine, tangible relationship with the person and work of the Holy Spirit. I read a silly story. Not sure it was true. I get the Reader's Digest because, you know, my granddaughters, my grandsons, they're always selling stuff at school. And so Papa and Grandma get all kind of stuff we don't really need. But you can't tell your grandkids no, right? One time when my first grandchild was misbehaving, I don't know, she was 18, 19 months old. My daughter said, are you going to spank her? I didn't even answer. I just took her and walked her into another room. No, I already did that. You're going to do it now. I'm going to spoil her. I'm babysitting my grandkids, and it's just party all day long and every day and fun. And she, I take her to our daughter's house and calls me up and says, Dad, it's going to take me three days to detox these kids. I said, I'm doing my job. I'm doing my job. Read this silly story about a guy who bought the fanciest refrigerator freezer you could buy. Huge, big, all the bells and whistles. Took everything out of his old crummy refrigerator, put it in the new one. He was so excited the next day to prepare himself breakfast, put all the milk in there, put all the ice cream in the freezer part and all of that. He gets up the next morning. He's all excited about getting the cool milk and everything and fixing himself a big breakfast to celebrate his purchase of this fancy electrical device called a refrigerator freezer. The ice cream is melted. It's on the floor. He opens the door. The smell of the sour milk is terrible. He's so mad he calls the company and the lady says, put your ear up next to it. Now this is my story. Slow down. Do you hear a motor running? He said, no, I don't. Open the door. Did a light come on? No, no light came on. Sir, in the back of the refrigerator is a black cord. Is it plugged into the wall? He said, no, but what I paid for this, it should work anyhow. <laughs> and that's the way a lot of people are about this Christian life. If I just memorize more Scripture, I think we should memorize more Scripture. If I just go to more meetings, I think Christians need to go to more meetings. We don't go to as many meetings as we used to, and we claim we're busy, but we're not. We watch a lot more television. We waste a lot more time than we used to. We really do. No condemnation. It's just a cultural observation. This is Black History Month. One of the things I love about the black church is you're not afraid to go into church. Even a white man can preach in a black church. I'm just telling you. I want you to read the Word. I want you to memorize the Word. I want you to serve in church. I want you to do all those things. But if you're not plugged in to the person and work of the Holy Spirit, you're not going to be able to overcome your doubts, your fears, your anxieties, your trepidation, your concerns. 
You're not going to have the power to do this Christian life. It is impossible to do through self-help resources. There's got to... Appliances work because of an invisible force called electricity. And the Word of God and Christian service and Christian living works because of an invisible person called Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. If you'll work on your relationship with the Holy Spirit, I'll guarantee you two things. Are you listening? You will go deeper in God and you will go further out in the world.